Peter Kafka, it's good to have you on my show. I did your show. God, that was years ago now at this point, isn't it? It was years ago, and then we had a crossover, and so I think this is our third podcast conversation. Yeah. Thanks for having me, John. Uh, it's a pleasure. Uh, before we get in to all of the streaming Michiganess, uh, we can just recap yesterday. We're recording on Wednesday. Yesterday, Apple had their remote, virtual, however you want to describe it, Time Flies event. Uh, I have, presume that you watched I half yeah. watched um, because I'm not in the business of paying a lot of attention to their watches right. and iPads. But uh, when it came time to talk about content bundles, I, I perked up a little <laughs> so, bit. The funny part about that is it's an hour event, nice and tight. <laughs> they only announced really three things, new watches, new iPads, and a streaming bundle. The streaming bundle, I actually double-checked. Like, my notes... <laughs> were like under two minutes and then i like watched the video again yeah. it was literally under two minutes yeah it's not a, i mean i i you know it's apple and uh dutifully people come out saying this is a game changer etc because you have to i think still reflexively when apple has an event you have to justify the time spent paying attention to it um and it's much less now right you don't have to fly anywhere right. it's just an hour-long webinar so it's, it's easier to go yeah they got some new stuff um but yeah, I thought it was, I, I, Apple was not overselling the importance of this bundle. No, but well, we'll get into it then. But uh, do, uh, yeah, what do you uh, are you an Apple Watch wearer? I, I am, but I I am uh, I'm not. I'm kind of reluctant about it. I was just taking it off my wrist to tell you what model mm-hmm. it was because I, I paid that little attention. It's a Series mm-hmm. Three, and I won't say I was shocked when they came out with a new line, including like the lower end one that started at what was it three hundred bucks? Two seventy nine. What was the S? Like, the S? The for the right. SE? The right. that's the cheap model. Well, it's the cheap new model, right? It's brand new product, right. and it's sort of best thought of as last year's Series Five, but without. Like the ECG, I always want to say EKG, but ECG sensor. It's it's bananas. It's to me. I mean, I know they sell well, and and people, you know, will ask me about my watch periodically. Say, hey, Apple Watch, how do you like it? And should I get the wireless version? And I'll say, it's an odometer, and I wear it. And uh, when I don't wear it, I feel bad that I didn't wear it. But that's that's the entire utility. So the idea of like selling a super premium version of it is, is bananas to me, but I'm sure Apple knows. Well, no, I don't know that Apple knows what they're doing, but um, presumably there is a market for that. I think that people, you know, I think your take is very typical and you're obviously juiced in more to this than, you know, the average person out there. For most people getting a $300 digital watch is a pretty expensive digital watch. And that's, is what it is, right? It is, I mean, you know, we can get into nerd out and you're running apps and you're doing all this stuff, but it's, it's a digital watch. Uh, And 300 bucks is more than most people spend on a watch. And if they do get one, they're going to wear it forever, you know, by some definition of forever, which is less than a watch, you know, a, a super watch mechanical watch nerds definition of forever, which is like decades, but way, way more than like a tech person would think. Hey, that's not that's not uh, the latest version. Yeah, the last time I spent a lot of time thinking about it is when they introduced wireless because I thought that was pretty interesting, and we finally got to sort of Dick Tracy land. And what if this thing would allow me to not take my phone with me on on Ver- to yeah. you know when I went out? 
and and I borrowed a watch from Apple using that premise. And they, Apple, to their credit, pretty much said, the thing you want to do is not going to work. <laughs> you cannot use this as, uh, as, as a phone substitute. And they're right. Um, but when you tell people that they, they get ashen faced, right. um, they're like, well, what's the point of that? I'm like, I, I don't know. Yeah. I wonder too. And, uh, and I do have it. I have the, I bought, I bought a new one for myself last year cause I hadn't had one in a couple of years and I did get the cellular option and I just justify it all as well. Uh, you know, I write during fireball. I should have the cellular thing. Yeah, exactly. And I can, you know, uh, I pass off my whole singular, not singular, uh, Verizon bill, you know, as a tax, you know, it's a business expense that I charge $10 a month to put my watch on it. I almost never, ever use the cellular thing on my phone or on my watch. Uh, but I will say this, and I'm not saying it's worth it because I think, I think Verizon charges me 10 bucks a month for it. It's at least. That sounds right. Yeah. Um, I, I will say this. There was one time and I don't remember. I'm not trying to like obfuscate a personal detail. I forget what it was, but like at some point uh, a couple months ago, but I know it was during the, the quarantine because I've sort of got like quarantine time locked in my head. There was like a minor iOS update, you know, just you know, 13.1 points, whatever. And I'm like, okay, I'll update my phone. And uh, it was like noon. And I got, while my phone was updating, I got a call I had been waiting for. I forget what it was, but it was a fairly important call from somebody who I was waiting to call me. And so I I was really, and my, Mm -hmm. it went off on my wrist and I was like, whoa, what's going on? And I look and my phone has got that Apple logo that like, it takes like five, you don't even know how long it's going to take to your phone's updated. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, I can answer mm-hmm. on my wrist. And I took the entire important phone call on my watch while my my phone it, it, was incapacitated. Wor- and I was like, I don't know if this is worth $120 a year, but almost. It works It works remarkably well as a speakerphone. I will say right. that. It's way better than you would expect that to work. But what I wanted was something that allowed me to go to my kid's soccer game and if I needed to see an email right. or see a text or reply to one, that I could do that and not bring my phone. And then thus I wouldn't be looking at my phone or I'd be more in tune to my kids. And even as you say this out loud, you're saying, wait, you're going to spend several hundred dollars <laughs> plus $10 a month so you could not look at your phone. Why don't you just not look at your phone? And of course, if you're listening to this podcast, you know that's very right. hard. And it sounds pathetic to say that, but it doesn't allow you to do that. The, you, mail won't work. Text will kind of work if it's iMessage, but not, it's, you know, it's, it doesn't, like the Apple people said, it doesn't do what you want it to do in that case. <laughs> no, it definitely does not. Um, <laughs> the other thing is, I and, and this is the interesting thing that, that they announced yesterday was this sort of uh, cellular watches for your young children and for your elderly confused parents. Yeah. And I don't know. I, it's like, I've got one kid and now he's in 11th grade. So I'm out of that. And you know, it, he's got a phone. I, if you don't want to buy a phone, for your kid, which I get. And I totally, you know, I'm not telling anybody how to parent their kids and what age should a kid get their own cell phone is a huge question. It's like the parental question, one of the big parental questions of, of our generation. But if you're on the fence about it, whether it's expense wise or whatever else, are you going to buy your kid a $350 or $400 watch? Like, 
Yeah, that baff- that baffled me as well. I thought the exact same thing. Which wait, my kids have a tracking device. It's the phone I bought right. for them, or the phone. And I, I and, and by the and that buying that phone's a big deal. And I bought a used phone from Amazon. Amazon renewed. Now I got battery problems and all that. But but yeah, that's it's the tracking device is the right. Phone. And it, we don't need a second tracking. And device. it's like if you're if you're the kid who's like eleven or twelve, and your parents are willing to get you a four hundred dollar thing to add to the family cell phone plan, don't you want the iPhone SE? <laughs> like I want the phone. I want the thing I can play with and take pictures with. I kind of assume that everyone in that market has the phone right. too. That's that's what I imagine in Apple. Yeah, but they they is, really is, is they really a, sold that feature yeah. as like your kid. They didn't, and they it's weird because it's like Apple can't say if you don't want to get your kid a phone because they're Apple. They want everybody right. <laughs> to have a phone. So you had to. It was a weird sort of uh, not double speak. What's the opposite of double speak where you don't mention something like a conspicuous. You you walk all the way up to it. The the version of that that I really noticed was the uh, the, uh, the blood oxygen reader, which over you know which I never would have thought prior to March of this year. But when you talk yeah. talk about blood oxygen levels, now you're like, oh, that's a COVID detector. Yeah. But of course, they can't say right. that because it's not. Yeah, and, um, and you have all kinds of liability problems. But I thought, I mean, man, I think I don't think there's anyone who saw that presentation and wasn't thinking about does that will this tell me if I'm getting or if I'm sick or getting sick. Um, and they conspicuously did not say that out loud. Yeah. And it's the other factor is that's partially coincidental because clearly that these sort of sensors are years in the making, both in terms of just mm-hmm. that the, the components technically take years. And then with these watch things, they take even longer, I think, than most of Apple's technology because they have to get FDA approval and then the mm-hmm. FDA equivalents around the world, you know. It's a regulatory nightmare, right? It's not like it's not like one of these drop shipping people who came out with masks, right. uh, you know, middle of March and said this this will help you, uh, this will protect right. you. They weren't. It wasn't that, but it was still very clear that this was an application that you could use it for. But they weren't going to suggest that, out right? Loud. And it, uh, it there's just but that's exactly what you said. Nobody's listening to this and not thinking that because. I, I, other than medical professionals, I don't know of anybody who hasn't heard blood oxygen as a term and thought about it more than in the last six months. I mean, I, I, I mean, I guess I've heard of it beforehand, but I mean, 99% of the times it's ever come up in my awareness is COVID. Yep. Yep. Um, so it was in, you know, they have these off the record briefings for the media after events and they're, you know, they're getting better at them. It was, you know, and it's off the record, so I can't really spill the details mm-hmm. of it. But people did ask, you know, and, and it's like they can't say it. It's, it's you know, it's more than the typical Apple not wanting to say get knocked off message. They just legally can't talk about it in that context. Yes, that's right. Yeah. Um, um, you, as, and by the way, they should they they should be very reticent to make medical yeah. claims, um, which is I mean again I and I don't follow the watch stuff carefully, but I do know as a watch user that you know when I'm sitting on the subway and I'm traveling under the the East River and all of a sudden the watch tells me that I've passed my movement goal for the day <laughs> or my standing goal for the day, I get a chuckle and I go oh, you know it's it's harmless it doesn't really matter to me one right. way or the other, but I do 
think about sort of people who were relying on these devices for actual medical information. And, and because, you know, Apple half positions this now as a, they don't longer say it's, you know, for work, right? It's, it's for, it's for health and right. fitness and the fitness part I sort of get. And they, there's people who really, it, it really does matter to them how many miles they clocked and how many minutes. Um, but for most people, I think are probably more in my group, right? It's casual, but the medical stuff really unnerve would unnerve me if I was Apple and had people relying on me for, for medical information. Um, yeah, I wouldn't. And I'll, I'll, I'll defer to actual experts on that, but I do think about that a lot because it's clearly a device that has a limit on its accuracy, which is fine in most yeah. cases. And I kind of feel like, really, you know, he's such a, a bizarro second version of Tim Cook, but the Jeff Williams being in charge of the watch is sort of unsurprising. Like he's clearly a bit of a cipher personality wise but he definitely seems like the you know the old the old carpenter saying measure twice cut once uh, tim cook and jeff williams seem like measure a hundred times cut once <laughs> type of type of yeah people. they're not they're not freelancing a lot at these right things. and so on the one hand they definitely are clearly uh, incentivized to sell a lot of watches but neither of them really feel like well let's cut some corners and make some bold claims on the medical efficacy of these sensors you know they they, they seem to be doing a pretty good job on that stuff yeah 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 no no they're they're not telling you it's gonna they're not misleading right. you um but on the other hand, they are saying these things have benefits yeah. and these can help you track your health and I think there's a for me there's an uncomfortable middle yeah. ground there the bigger one to me, and they spent less time on it like they showed kids, but the bigger one to me is the question of getting it for your quote older parents that seems to me the and at I forget if it was a year ago or two years ago when they added fall detection and they keep showing mm -hmm. people on mountain bikes and making jokes about a guy yesterday getting chased off a cliff by a bear. And that's real. Yep. And I know in California, the mountain biking thing is real and, and the mountains are, you know, real mountains, not our East coast mountains. Um, but they, they also have bears. They, yeah. <laughs> we, but they they also danced around that when they introduced it too, where they did show like a grandmother type in a kitchen on a stool, and then there was a little you know she was like watching her grandkid who was running in, mm -hmm. and then they deftly cut away, and then all of the actual simulations of an adult falling in home weren't photographed; they were pictograms, you know, like the Olympic style stick figures mm -hmm. of somebody and. And I remember talking to Apple, people at Apple about it. Like that was pretty, and they were like, yeah, we were, you know, it was, we really had to be careful because we wanted people to know that it is good for this. And we actually designed it with like older people in mind so that when they, you know, that, that their type of falls are going to be less violent and we want, really want to be in tune to it, but we can't show it. You know, it's, it's, you know, it's grotesque. You can't just show an, an old person <laughs> falling off a stool in a, in an Apple event. It's, it, well, you, you're not at an Apple event, but it has been done before. But here's my question. I think we're roughly the same age. Is the clapper and I've fallen <laughs> yeah. and I can't get up, is that the same yeah. thing? Okay, uh, yeah, no, that's no. what I thought. So that, that, no, no, I think I've fallen and I can't get up was the medic alert. Remember okay. that? It was a, it okay. was a, it yes. was a. <laughs> you're right. But that, that did show yeah. the older people on the ground yeah. yelling. 
for help. Um, and it's, it's, I would say it's burned indelibly in our minds, but of course I've just, I'm confused about which brand right. it was, but yeah, if you were, if you're a certain age and you watch a certain kind of TV, you saw a lot of right. those ads. And as media junkies, you and I saw all of them, right? Cause what was the other one? There was another one where the old lady, there was a burglar outside her window. <laughs> Do you remember? And she, he, no, I don't remember that. I remember the rascal that would take you up the stairs. Yeah. Um, and then the clapper yeah. and I, they're all seem to be sort of aimed at the exact same yeah. target. Yeah. Mark. I think it might've been the same product as the, I've fallen and I can't get up the medic alert, but it was it, it, in addition to falling it, there was a burglar outside an old lady's window, uh, <sighs> conveniently on the ground floor. And he, he was making faces at her through the window to show that he was about to come in and, you know, burglars. You know, the most alarming passage in time is when you go from laughing at those ads that are aimed at old people to gradually getting closer and closer to the target market. It's definitely happened to me with pharma. <laughs> yeah, stuff. totally. Those pharma ads that run during football or 60 minutes, I never paid any attention to. And I'm still not really the market for it yet, but I'm definitely getting closer. Yeah. And I keep thinking, all right. You know, one day I'm going to pay a lot of attention to that to that uh, that small type on the yeah, screen. Yeah, I think what happens with that with the sports is you run out of. Um, I'm 47, so I've run out of athletes who are my age. You know, it was it, as mm-hmm. a Yankees fan. One of the nice things about being a Yankees fan of my age is that Derek Jeter and Mariano Rivera had, ex- in addition to extremely successful careers played until they were like 41, 42 years old and they were roughly my age. And so I still had guys, my guys, my age, you know, playing professional sports. Now I'm 47. Nobody's left. You know, Tom Brady is, I don't know, remarkable 43 and still playing an NFL quarterback, but. And perhaps washed up. Yeah. Yeah. Kickers, I think is our last chance to find someone, Morton Anderson (laughs) or someone like, oh my God, we're so old. And every once so every once in a while, there'd be a baseball pitcher who could pitch until his forties because because he was a knuckleball thrower or something like that. Phil right. Phil Necro, I remember being very old. Yeah, uh, yeah, but yeah, this is this has been old timey radio yeah. brought to you by. John well, Peter. but what happens? What happens is you you go from having the last gasp of athletes your age to suddenly watching the commercials between there, and it's clearly a product for an older gentleman. And you're like, wait a minute, that actor looks younger than me. Uh-huh. <laughs> whatever is, mm-hmm. whatever the medical problem that's ailing him that you tend to think of as being a generation older than you, all of a sudden I'm like looking at the the casting and I'm like, well, he is a you know he's a professional actor, but damn, he looks a handsome yeah. fellow. Yes, <laughs> yeah. I got an Instagram ad inviting me to join a a, a COVID vaccine test. I think it was Pfizer. And it's clearly one of those things where they, you know, are A, B testing different images and targeting different people. And the, the gentleman in my, in my Instagram ad was, I'm guessing at least 10 years older than me. Um, but it was gnarly to realize that they had pegged me as someone in that general bracket, mm. um, who might be interested in getting COVID testing through an Instagram ad, which is a whole other story. <laughs> Instagram. People ask me, I keep saying this. People ask me like, Hey, you're a Facebook critic. Why do you still have Instagram? And it's like, Partially because, uh, you know, I've got friends on Instagram and I'm, I'm hooked. I get it, you know, that I do like all the other craziness, but professionally, I'm obsessed with the accuracy of their ads. It is. Yeah. No, I just, I just went through this with someone who said, I'm quitting Facebook because of this latest outrage and I'm going, meet me over on Instagram, meet me over on Instagram. And I, 
gently pointed out, and she knew, she knew that they were owned by the same thing. She said, yeah, I, I know, I, I, I just can't tolerate Facebook. And I'm, this is, this is the compromise I'm making in my head, but I can't give up Instagram. The, the bizarre accuracy of their ads, uh, is like passing a street performer who's good at sleight of hand magic. And it's like, Sometimes you see the same trick. It's like, okay, you got me. I like old watches. So yeah, yeah. Another, here's another vintage, either vintage style watch or something, you know, you, all right. But then they'll show me an ad for something else. And I'm like, wait, how did you know? Uh, I, the savviest people I know, people who are in tech, people who write about tech will continue to tell me that Instagram or, or Facebook must be listening to them. And that's how they do the ad targeting. And then you explain it. Can't be possible, right. and, you, um, and and all the re- and they refuse right. to believe you because it's too eerie. Um, and the the sad reality, right, is a lot of is is very we're much less interesting than we think we are, and there's much bigger yeah. pools of people who look like and act like us than we realize or want to. Accept. Yeah, as a uh, I'm not a hobbyist sleight of hand magician, but I am a big devotee of just observing it, and that's exactly how sleight of hand magic works at a very macro level. Everybody's guess, well, they must be blank, and that's never it, right? That's never the explanation for the trick. But if you ever do get the explanation for a trick, it is always so mundane. It is like, what? Really? Yeah. That's that's how you do that? Yeah. The, the, yeah, that's it. Yeah, you just scoop the coin into your lap. That's it, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and it, the, the, oh, no, they must be blank is like the equivalent of they must be listening to us. And it's like, nope, that, that's not it. Are you a, a Ricky J oh, fan? The biggest. It, okay, I figured. Yeah. I figured. I love. I love yeah. it too. Great and a great and a great New Yorker profile of him from years ago. If you know oh, I have. I've I read all of it. I, I yeah. when he when he died, I went back and watched all of it. And there's like YouTube's that are like I, I don't even know what's under 480p, <laughs> but <laughs> some of his old VHS stuff is really really low res, and even there, it's like amazing. I love Ricky J. Also, what a great what character a actor. So great. So he'll go in your show notes. Yeah. You know, and I feel like I've contributed. Yeah. Good. Uh, here, let me take a break and thank our first sponsor of the show, our my good friends at Linode, L-I-N-O-D-E. I used to pronounce them Linode, but it's Linode like Linux because it's Linux hosting. That's where I host during Fireball. Could not be happier with them. They are a phenomenal, phenomenal hosting service with great customer support, and amazing prices, quite frankly. Um, they have a code, TALKSHOW20, and when you create a new Linode account, you get $20 credit towards your next project, which can go a lot further than you think. They have 11 data centers worldwide, which matters for a lot of uses. If you need a data center close to you or perhaps for legal compliance reasons in your country, starting this year, They have a new object storage bucket system that is S3 compatible. Basically, if you have something that uses Amazon S3, you can just plug and play, connect your code to use this instead. It is fantastic. They also have one-click installs of all the popular stuff you might want to host yourself. WordPress, game servers for Minecraft, big, big, big. Every time I mention that when I do these reads for Linode, People write and say, yeah, they got one for their kid, and it has made them like the most popular parent in the grade. Great, great use of this. Native SSD storage. They have a 40-gigabyte network at every one of their data centers. Just great stuff. They're also hiring. Linode.com slash careers to find out more. 
if you are even vaguely thinking that you should work for a professional web hosting service, you know the type of jobs they have. Go check it out. It's a great company. Uh, and that $20 credit, they have nanode plans that are just 5 bucks a month. So you can get a great plan, super useful. With the $20 credit, you get four months free. Unbelievable deal. Still going on. TalkShow20 is the code. And go to Linode. L-I-N-O-D-E dot com slash the talk show. Linode dot com slash the talk show to get started and find out more. My thanks to them, not just for sponsoring the show, but for keeping my website up. So I've got the uh, the new watch that came this morning, which was kind of an unbelievable story. <laughs> so I don't know, you didn't follow real closely. You know, they've got these new uh they call them solo loop bands. So they're yeah, it looked like the loop that I have yeah. on my Series 3. There's the basic At a one. glance, it looks exactly like the Apple Watch straps most people have, the rubber ones. But but there's no – there is no clasp. They just stretch. Right. And they are very – And is it, one si- is it one size fits all and then you sort of stretch nope. into it? It is. This is, the, this is the part that I cannot stop thinking about and I don't know what to do. Because, again, it seems like, a, like I, I'm the, the – victim of a sleight of hand magic trick. They have 12 sizes, nine. So there's nine each. You know, there's like the larger watch and the smaller watch, roughly men's, Uh women's, but I know a lot of men who have the 40 millimeter one. Um, For each one, there's nine. So like sizes one through nine are for the 40 millimeter smaller watches and sizes four through 12 are for the uh, 44 millimeter watches. And they, um, Again, like my, my take on this is that it's like buying shoes. It is meant for an in-person retail experience. Go into the store. Mm. They have a whole bunch. You right. find the one you like. Fit this is great. And then you walk out. You can't do that in the COVID era. So they have this thing you print out, a PDF. You print it out, cut it out like you're in kindergarten. You wrap it around yeah, your wrist. And it, <laughs> but and so I do this last night. And I didn't publish my post until after midnight on the East Coast. Um and I know that's not where they got it because the, the package arrived at my house this morning at 8 a.m. Um, I took mine out, and and mine is a size 7 according to their scale, 1 to 12. And closer to an 8 than to a 6, but definitely in the 7. And they're only about a centimeter difference, maybe even less than a centimeter. They're pretty fine-grained. They sent me two straps, a 7 and an 8. How how did they do this? Actually, they sent me four. They sent me the rubber one and the braided yarn one, but each of those they sent in the size seven and eight. Uh, and I wrote to Apple PR. I was like, I'm blown away by this. How did you know? And they were like, that's the magic of the Apple Watch team. And I'm like, that's not an answer. That's, like they've got, I think it's like a carnival, you know, like guest Guess your weight or guess your age. They have somebody. How much? How much variance can there be in wrist size? <sighs> you can be very skinny or very heavy, I guess, and then everyone else is kind of in the yeah, middle, right? Well, it's. It, but think about like the regular strap with the the one you have with the pins, mm-hmm. right? It's effectively yep. like guessing exactly which pin size you take. You know which which hole your pin goes through, and so they sent me two. You know, but it's out of all those holes in your straps. They, they got me. They got me the exact right size. It's unbelievable. Yeah, I bet you. I bet you most people have the same hole on their on their on their strap too. Maybe. I mean, is my guess. May, I have to. 
is in in, in, in keep in keeping with the carnival yeah. trick. Like there's actually much less variance. Than yeah. So I what I need to do after we record is I got to ping a couple of my f- friends in the racket. You know, like I'll ping like Joanna Stern and maybe Neli, who obviously have very different wrists, and see if they got this. But they they must you know they I'm surely didn't send the same size to everybody. But you know, did they guess that Neli needed a thicker one? I don't know, but. Whoever's doing the carnival wrist size guessing for the Apple Watch team nailed me spot on. I love this strap. It is very, very nice and comfortable. Uh, can I can I ask you something about that? Because I, I like I said, I do wear yeah. the watch, and I have the. I, at one point, I went out and got the fancier straps and would take the put them on and off yeah. if I was exercising, and then I realized I'm just going to keep the one on. And that one, I don't want to gross anybody out, but it gets a little gamey. Yeah. Over time, and I have to sort of wash it down, and if I'm exercising with it, and I periodically like, oh yeah, that thing needs a little wipe. Um, it, how does that factor into this, uh, a thing that you? I guess I guess it's the same thing, right? It's a strap is a strap, yeah. and whether it's got a a pin or or a stretchy thing, it, it shouldn't matter. I'm, I was just I was thinking about that as they talked about the one band that's harder to move. Yeah, on. well, it still slides in and out just as easily. You know, it's like you don't really disconnect it, but you know. I think anything you anything rubbery like that you're going to want to wash with soap and water once in a while. And that's sort of as a again not to get into a watch nerd discussion, but it is sort of the problem with <laughs> leather watch straps of all kinds is they don't last. If you wear one, if you get like a watch with a leather strap, it's you're not it's not going to last for years. It just falls apart. Yeah, but you, but you want it to sort of have that weathered look. Yeah, right? but eventually it sort of it, it goes from looking like cool and weathered to looking like disgusting, or maybe having a yeah. having a bit of a smell. <laughs> and leather doesn't take to a soap and water as well as as other materials. Uh, uh, I'm grossed out. It's my wrist I'm talking yeah. about. But anyway, it is a very nice strap. I feel it'll be very popular. And I will say their cutout system nailed my size perfectly. The seven is the one that I thought from the paper cutout is exactly the most comfortable. The eight that Apple sent me as like a second best guess fits, but is a little loose for my taste. Like, and it feels like maybe somebody who likes a looser watch would prefer it. Um, but it's it's really nice, and it's definitely lighter. I use my kitchen scale. The regular rubber straps, the sport bands they call them, are about twenty five grams. This one's only thirteen grams, so it's about half the half the weight. Feels like nothing on your wrist. Can I can I ask a meta question here? Of course. For you? So they, had, they had one hour, two two point five announcements to yep. make. Do you prefer like, and they no longer right? We they they can have their announcements at whatever schedule they want, and they don't need to bring press out there. Do you prefer sort of these discrete chunks of announcements versus sort of one mega announcement? And here's six different things we're doing it all in one day. Does it matter to you as a professional Apple observer? I I prefer the smaller ones personally. Yeah, uh, I would, and over the years. Uh, I struggle and, you know, and part of it is my personal nature. Part of it is the, what I talked to you about on your show is the weird sort of semi unique nature of my media empire, which is me. Mm -hmm. And it makes it Mm -hmm. harder for me, but I'm also personality wise, just not as good at covering a shotgun approach. Like here's 12 things. Here's my thoughts. Like, I I do much better with one thing to concentrate on, even if it's not something that's like my favorite thing. 
Yeah, that's what I figured. And again, since there's no travel, it's not like you have to complain about getting on a plane, you know, in September and October. Yeah, and the other problem, too, at a, and I find dealing with Apple professionally in the media is, I feel like, it, they're not, in some ways, they're not that atypical, but they're always very Apple-y. And the one thing I always say to people, in all these years that I've been doing this, I have never once, in my opinion, been lied to by Apple. They've never said anything that I've thought was a lie, and I've never really felt like they screwed me on their response to something. If they don't want to answer a question, they just don't answer it. Or more typically, they give you a very Apple-y non-answer that they acknowledge as a yeah. non-answer. And I miss the thing that one of the things I miss about being in person is they'll give you a look that says, I know it's a non-answer, but and the words coming out of their mouth are a non-answer, but there's sort of a nod of the head that's like, you know, that's the best I'm going to give you. Um, yeah, I think that is more common than not. Like the people who are actually going to lie to you, to your face, um, if they're professionals, they don't tend to last that long in the industry. And if it's a company, same problem. Um, you know, you can get away with it once or twice. Um, and, but generally it's, 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 it's not a good way. It's, and everyone sort of accepts that a non-answer is a non-answer yeah. and they, they understand why you're Well, there was it. a, there was a good story. I'm sure you saw it. There was a good story about a month ago. I think it was the Columbia journalism review who had a story about dealing with Facebook and that Facebook is sort of the exception to the rule where a lot of people in the media feel burned by Facebook PR, you know, that. Yeah. I, there was, you know, Casey Newton has yeah. an anecdote about being deceived about the plane. And I, to me, that seems like more of an outlier. I, I, I pretty much group Facebook in that same group of they might waste your time. Right. And not tell you things they want to tell you and hold press events in which is very little to say. But I think they are less often to they're less likely to lie to you. And I think that story has a lot more to do with sort of the change in the way people perceive Facebook and the kinds of questions they ask Facebook now, as opposed to four or six years ago. And I think that's the difference is, is you're asking much more serious questions about Facebook that have, that are much more important than whether, you know, a plane is actually in the air or this widget does that. Um, it has more consequence. I think, I think, I think when I read that story, I thought, I don't think this is terribly dissimilar from a lot of other companies, but I think it was also shaded a bit. Well, the other factor is that Facebook PR for all of Facebook's properties is just, it's just the, not the worst place to work, but the busiest because they have the most PR issues to put out that aren't of their own doing, right? It's, you can't go through, a week without at least two stories about Facebook popping up that they kind of have to address in some way, you know, as a professional PR team that aren't based on their announcements. They're about these constant fires that keep popping up. Right. That's, that's what I'm right. getting at. Right. It's one thing if you're Apple and you're generally just getting asked about the new whatever, right. And when is it coming out and what are the stats? And occasionally there's, there's something unpleasant you have to discuss involving China or something, but usually it's not right. And Facebook, now they're asking you about sort of like the, the, the existence and essence of Facebook and, and are they responsible for this atrocity? And it's a very different set of yeah. questions. Um, the only, and I will say this, the one exception to the Apple PR doesn't say things that aren't true would be going back to this, when Steve Jobs' health was in decline. And there were some definite yep. issues there 
where what they said in hindsight clearly wasn't true. And there was, you know, and, and again, I, it's, it's such a unique situation. And I, I was nowhere near in the position I am now when that happened, you know, around 2009, 2010. Um, but you know, it was, there was, there was an issue. I I remember a lot of that. I remember Henry Blodgett saying, Steve Jobs looks very sick on stage. What's going right. on? And they were indignant about it. And there were all kinds of variants of that. And I, I was going to say the other exception to that is just Jobs in right. general, right? He was famous for saying, we're not going to do the following and then do right. that. Um, and that's... It was you know, less Apple than that, Steve Jobs personally deciding, I'm not going ooh. to be forthcoming about what's going on. And it was like right before he took his first medical leave... And it was like, I don't know, it seems, or second medical leave. And it was like, everybody knew he had had cancer before. And it's like, is it back? And and it was like, no, yeah, I, have, I have a dietary issue or something. I forget what it was, but it was like. Yep, yep, yep. He had a cold yeah. or he was gaunt and yeah, yeah. So I will just say that was a, a, a notable exception, but it was more like the exception that proved the rule than than indicative of dealing with Apple and anything related to their products. It was all very, very personal. And I feel like there was who, who at Apple was going to stand up and say, you know, you, you can't do this, you know? Yeah. I mean, since we're having the meta conversation, I mean, again, this probably seems obvious, but it has taken me quite a while to figure it out is that everyone in the company takes the cue from their leader. And if, if you're upset about Facebook's PR or Apple's PR, whoever it is, that is a, it is a, they're doing what they think their boss wants them to do. And their boss usually does want them to do it. And if there's a disconnect, that usually gets solved one way or another. And so if you're upset with a certain way a company is treating you, it's uh, as a press person, that's what their CEO yeah. wants. Yeah. Um, that's all I'll say now for the <laughs> getting back to the watch. <laughs> I love it. I do like the strap. I think it's nice. I think people are going to want to try them on. I do think the paper thing is is an accurate gauge, but that's really all I have to say for now. It's not a super exciting product, so I don't feel. I, I to me, I'm most interested in those two minutes of the the. This is why I wanted to talk to you this week. Is to me, let's do uh, it. It's the bundle and the streaming, um, and where this stuff is going. So, what are your thoughts on the Apple One bundle that they announced? Uh, I, I am, I, I, I think it is, I, my mentions were flooded with people disagreeing with me and that's their right, but I think it is an unimpressive bundle. I don't think it's, uh, meaningful for consumers or for Apple. Um, my thought on bundles in general is they work when they are anchored by something that you really want. So if it's cable TV, you're paying for a bunch of channels because you want sports or live news or whatever it is. And Amazon Prime gives you a bunch of stuff, but you're not subscribing to Amazon Prime because you want Prime Video. You're subscribing because you want free shipping. Um, and I don't see the live sports or free shipping part of, of the Apple bundles. Um, and so we can start there. But that, that to me is it's, – it's not a meaningful thing until they connect it to the must-have – Apple product, which is the device. And we can talk about why that maybe isn't the case yeah. right now. I, I, I guess my, I don't, I don't completely disagree, but I think I feel more like Apple music is that linchpin um, service. Mm -hmm. And that is how, that's how, what I did to guess what their pricing would be, which was pretty accurate as I thought, well, why don't you take the Apple music pricing and add $5 and there's your bundle. And that's pretty much exactly the pricing for individual and family. Take 
the 10 and $15 that Apple Music costs as individual or a family and add $5 a month and include not everything else, but, you know, the arcade and um, the TV plus and some iCloud storage, which I still really feel like they're nickel and diming people on. Like for the individual thing, it's like to upgrade the people to the 50 gigabytes when they're selling these phones that have 512 gigabytes of storage and shoot 5K, 4K video that easily fills up 50 gigabytes if you're shooting it a lot. Uh, it's like, why well, I can't believe that. If these people are going to give you $20 or $15 a month, why not just give them you know, more of that storage for their backups? But anyway... Um, I used to feel the same way about 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 storage in general on the device, right. right? The markup from whatever the base level iPhone, which you know early on became an unusable amount of storage, right? right? You had to get a higher level. Um, it was an enormous markup to go to the next right. level, um, especially when it's like almost irresponsible to sell the phone at sort of the base level, whatever that. Six, used to it, be. It, I remember having to tell it was sixteen. I remember having to tell relatives yeah. like you don't yeah. buy that. Like you think you're saving money, but it's it's not. It, you don't want to be functioning. Yeah, account. it was sixteen gigabytes that they stuck with as the base for way too long because at sixteen gigabytes, it was like half of it was taken up by the operating system. You know, like once yep. you once they burst past sixteen, even the thirty two, it's like you mostly get thirty two. But with 16, you didn't even get close to 16 of usable storage because the OS and everything else had to be in there. And they had to reserve enough space so that you could do software updates, you know. And even if they only reserve like two gigabytes so that when a software update comes, there's space to write the update before doing the update. It's like if you're only giving people 16, that's you're taking away one-eighth of their storage. Yeah. And I, I think you're right. I think, I mean, music is by far, you know, music and the data are by far the most widely used of those right. offerings. And I think there are probably tens of millions of people who are using both music and data. And so right there, you're getting pretty yeah. close. But the big difference, see, the, the big price. difference between those two, though, is music is fun. People want to listen to music and people, why do people listen to music? Because music makes them happy, right? It, that, it's very, mm-hmm. you know, it, it's the, the one form of our media that is just the closest, it, it's just purely emotional, right? It makes you happy. That's why you, you pay for streaming music. Why do you pay for iCloud storage? It is the most cerebral aspect of this offering. It is medicine. To be honest, it is it, you're yep. signing up to take some vitamins, and you should be taking them, and, and you should have enough storage in your iCloud plan so that you can back up your devices, because having those backups in iCloud is is really fantastic and a great way to make sure you don't lose your photos and stuff like that. Um, but it's medicine, right? It's no it's no fun at all upgrading from the base storage to more storage. You don't see anything. You don't get to watch a funny episode of Ted Lasso. You don't get to listen. To- you don't get to brag to someone about how big no, your storage you get, is. You get it's medicine. Uh, it's good, but that's why I feel like it. They should just offer everybody who gets into this Apple One bundle the two gigabytes. Honestly, that or t- terabytes that so that for, and it's like well that's more than anybody needs. Well then fine. Then they don't have to worry about it. But isn't that a great? Anyway, that's that's my argument on that. I'm, well, yeah, and I frankly, I think that should be uh, factored into your thousand dollar phone, right? 
right? You're paying this much or you're paying this much for Apple care. The storage should come with that. Like it should just be a thing. You don't have to decide you need to buy when the thing you wanted to uh, access is no longer available. And you thought it was right. That's, that's, it's not just medicine, right? Or, or, or exercise. It's, it's finding out you needed, you should have had the storage, but didn't. And now you have a, there's something bad has happened. Yeah. So I, Uh, when you wish, Oh, I I would have just gone ahead and bought it in advance. (laughs) So anyway, I think music might be that linchpin. It you know, it, it, if you like listening to music, you need at least one streaming music plan in today's world. And yep. you know, if it's going to be Apple Music, then why not spend five dollars more a month and get the Apple One, and then you get the TV shows and whatever else, the arcade games. Um, yeah, I just, I, 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 to me, if they said, yeah, Apple Music now comes with these following three services, that makes, that's the Amazon model, right? right? Here's the thing you're already buying. Now we're throwing more stuff in. Um, and maybe gradually over time, we up the price and, 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 and you're not complaining because we've, we're making it harder. We're making it stickier, right? Right. Less churn by adding more stuff. But trying to say, look, you're already paying for this thing. Why don't you pay a little more and get more stuff? If it's not stuff you want, that's where it falls flat for me. Yeah. So I, and I guess that is sort of, you know, how important is this? You know, why, why, why even bother with Apple music? Why let, you know, why it's, why not walk away from the music business? I mean, I guess I think I see why, you know, Apple cares about it, but what the iTunes buy a song for 99 cents revolution meant to the company 20 years ago, uh, it really helped rejuvenate the company, you know, and it's what drove the iPod sales. And I remember when Apple retail stores first started opening in malls, if you perked your ears open, you'd you'd hear kids saying, uh, hey, let's go to the iPod store, right? It Mm -hmm. was really what made the company relevant does Apple need to be in the music business today? I mean, it's too late. They're obviously not going to get out of it, but it's not essential to, to what they do or, you know, all that meaningful to them financially. No, it's, I mean, it's in the billions of dollars now. Right. So, um, it it starts to become meaningful and they couldn't take it away without having a problem. Um, and I think we're sort of explaining why they right. need to be in the music business. If you want to create a bundle of services, you need to have something that people want. And that's the thing. It's, it's not games. It's not Apple news and it's not Apple TV plus for the moment. So here's the one thing that tens of millions of people are willingly paying for. Um, and you know, and I think that's what they were thinking, you know, that this is something we don't want to walk away from and there's their linchpin. But then now this gets into the competitive aspects you you had a comment yesterday right after the event from spotify here here's their statement that you tweeted once again apple is using its dominant position and unfair practices to disadvantage competitors and deprive consumers by favoring its own services we call on competition authorities to act urgently to restrict apple's anti-competitive behavior which if left unchecked will cause irreparable harm to the developer community and threaten our collective freedoms to listen learn create and connect a little purple. A little. <laughs> I I take solace in a little bit like that being purple. I, I like in normal times I'd hurt my eyes rolling my eyes at that. 
in yeah. our times, I'm like, oh no, this is fun. Let's. It's fun to get all indignant about something as as trivial as streaming music when it's possible that come November we're going to have armed riots in the streets and a president who lost mm-hmm. an election who refuses to acknowledge it and nobody knows what to do. <laughs> right? It's sort of like, yes. yeah, let's argue about anti-competitive aspects of whether it's fair or unfair for Apple to include music in a streaming when it's the platform con- provider of the operating system. Yeah, I mean, the whole idea that this stuff is going to get eventually, you know, kicked up to some government agency or group of politicians will rule on this is impossible to imagine in the United States. Um, and by the way, this is a, you know, it's not a, not a coincidence that this, this, uh, the Spotify Apple fight is happening in the EU. Right. It's not happening in the U S. Um, but yeah, it's, it's impossible to imagine. I do, you know, I, I'm, I was, I'm not surprised that Spotify said we're indignant about this. Um, I think they have, and I'm not an antitrust expert, uh, nor do I play one on TV, but I do think they have much less of a ground to stand on here than the base argument they have, which is that Apple Music tied to the device is anti-competitive. If you're just going to say, all right, a bunch of stuff tied to other Apple services is anti-competitive, it's a harder argument to make. And I do wonder, I wonder how much it's even worth arguing about how many people are like, well, this is my first iPhone and I've taken it out of, I've unwrapped the box and I'm turning it on and I'm going through this and I have no backup to restore. I'm new to this. Oh, and there right in my dock is a music app and I tap the music app and, you know, I'm prompted to sign up for Apple Music. Um, that's basically the gist of what Spotify is complaining about, right? And and, and it is. It, it's that plus pricing. Right, because they don't have to pay the 30%. Apple doesn't have to pay right. itself 30% for an in-app right. purchase to sign up. And I do feel that there's arguments to be made there. Again, not a legal, I'm not a legal expert, but just common sense tells you, well, that that is something to argue about, right? I mean, common sense says, whether that should be allowed or not, it's at least, you know, in the sphere of a de- debatable, this is something something that's uh, logical to debate. I think that what Spotify is arguing here with the bundle, to me, is sort of getting into the tiny violin, you know, playing the world's saddest song. Um, because Apple could do so much more here, really. The bundle that that would really be both Lowercase a. Now, I'm not saying legally anti-competitive. I don't know. But certainly lowercase a anti-competitive in the common sense term would be if they said, pay us X dollars a month and we'll give you a new iPhone every two years too, right? So so this is this is the most interesting thing. And it's a thing that wasn't didn't happen, right? Is But why did that not happen? People like you and I have been speculating about an Apple bundle that would you did an all-in Apple subscription service where you're paying for your phone and Apple Care and a bunch of other stuff, and it's one monthly fee. And a lot of people say, "Give me that! I want that." And so, why didn't they do it? Um, and a really obvious guess, a semi-informed guess on my part, is maybe they do want to do it, but they certainly can't do it in today's political climate when they're fighting antitrust. Right. Uh, um, and then the question is, okay, is this something they think they can get to X number of years down the road? Is this something they've held off on doing because they were hoping to be able to do it? And they've concluded, look, we're, we just can't do that anytime, anytime soon. So here, this is what we got. 
Um, but to me, that's, it's the obvious thing that's, you know, to answer the, to respond to the thing I was positing earlier, like that's the thing, their version of sports yeah. TV and um, free shipping is the right. phone. And so you should bundle it with the phone. And why aren't they doing that? Um, and they're certainly not going to come out and say, we'd love to do it, but we'll get killed by the antitrust guys. Um, and I, for all I know, they're going to announce it next fall, the next, you know, with the, with right. the iPhone. They'll say, ah, now here's the super duper bundle. But I don't, I think they would wait, right? You wouldn't announce the bundle until. Yeah. If you were going to do a super bundle, you'd do it all. Yeah, I think so too. As, you know, and especially since they've already called the one tier premiere and not that they couldn't add a super premiere that includes a new iPhone. Yeah. Super premiere max. Right. Um, but that is the, and it is the thing that I, I still think has at least, I don't want to project more than 10 years in the future, but I think for the next 10 years, the idea that people will still want a new phone every two or three years is pretty, pretty solid bet just in terms of like camera improvements and stuff. Right. It's if, if only camera improvements, like I really think that like five years from now, you know, we'll look back at what our cameras do now on these phones and be like, Oh my God, can you believe that piece of junk? Whereas now we're amazed by it. So I think there's legs on that, you know, that it would be a huge appeal if they said, okay, here, just pay us. I don't know what it would be a month. And every two years you get a new iPhone and you get all these services. It's just one. one yeah. And yeah. And whether you care about any spec right. at all, you just say, look, I just don't care. I, just, I know that I'm right. whatever phone I have is the best phone. Right. I don't need to worry about it. I can afford not to worry about it. This would obviously be towards a, a wealthier tier of Apple customers who are wealthy to begin with, generally speaking. Um, that's a, that's a gross, a gross generalization, but you know, compared to right. an Android consumer, um, you know, that seems like the no brainer. And so its absence is super interesting to me. Uh, and, you know, it just happens to be in, in the wake of Microsoft announcing the same sort of kind of idea with the new Xbox exactly. console hardwares, um, the Series S and the Series X, which, which I really, it's almost like a, a <laughs> speech therapy <laughs> exercise to make sure that audibly I say S and X. Differently. Oh, it's so bad. But with their game streaming service, and it's, you know, Ben mm-hmm. Thompson and I have talked about this on Dithering. It's really a very appealing deal because it's not like a credit card thing where you're paying interest and you wind up paying more over two years than you would have if you just bought it outright. As long as you're interested in the monthly game service, you do this for two years for a monthly fee and including the game service, you wind up owning an Xbox console at the end for a very appealing monthly rate. And you don't really pay a penalty for it in terms of interest or, or whatever. And it all of a sudden this multi hundred dollar console and a library of lots of games has this very appealing, oh, it's 25 bucks a month. That's it. Yeah, it's super compelling, and we're, we're a household where we're considering making our first sort of big console purchase in a long time, and we're, we're thinking through this right now. Um, and they've had that for a while now, um, but they're certainly pushing more and more towards um, gaming as a service, right. um, and, and where the device is secondary. Um, and Apple is definitely not in right. that mode, right? <laughs> Apple is still the device's primary. Right, and so we have to go meta for a moment here and just acknowledge, and you and I, again, we're of a certain age, where can you imagine going back 25 years, 20 years, and telling our former selves that in the year 2020, we're going to be talking about Microsoft and Apple 
and one company feeling free and liberated antitrust wise to offer these content mm-hmm. bundles and the other one sitting on its hand missing an obvious opportunity and it's apple <laughs> that's sort of staring down the barrel of anti-competition regulators and microsoft that is like here here's this super compelling deal yeah and and by and also Microsoft being the company that could could conceivably have spent twenty or thirty billion dollars to buy the hottest new social media slash video service, and all the rest of its competitors right. couldn't because they were too powerful. Right. <laughs> that is that does sort of go unsaid in the the whole TikTok fiasco was that Microsoft was <laughs> it. There was no other consumer tech company that could have plausibly tried to get that deal right. through. <laughs> I know somebody, there was a report somebody had earlier that Apple at least took a meeting or something. And it's like, I couldn't imagine that because I, I, I guess Apple, 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 Apple was excited to bat that down. <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. That's one of those like, yes, yeah, someone called someone from Apple or a banker said they right. talked to Apple once or something like that. Apple, you know, they, they went from, we don't comment on rumor and speculation to hell yeah. no. <laughs> There's, there's no way we're doing it. It was just sort of the old uh, salesman trick of, hey, you know that rich guy? He's interested. <laughs> yeah. I got a lot of people coming down to look at this yeah. car, so I, I can't promise it's here tomorrow. <laughs> very, very true. All right, I want to keep going on streaming, but I have one more sponsor I want to thank on this episode. And it's, oh, man, do I love this company. Mac Weldon. Mac Weldon believes in smart design, premium fabrics, and simple shopping. Uh they sell all sorts of stuff. They got started selling underwear, socks, all the sort of de- dependables that you need in your lower. I keep them in my lower drawers, you know, undershirts and underwear and socks and stuff like that. But they've got all sorts of stuff now: hoodies and uh, polos. I had a polo on yesterday from Mac Weldon. Love it. One of my all-time favorites. They have a new line of silver underwear and shirts that are naturally antimicrobial, which means they eliminate odor. It's a very friendly way of saying they don't. They don't get stinky. Um, but they're super comfortable, very stylish. I love all the color options. They have great, even just great packaging. Oh, I'm a nerd for stuff like that. But I like it when I open a new thing and like the packaging is nice and it smells good just coming out of the packaging. Uh, Mack Weldon stuff is like that. They have even created their own new, totally free loyalty program that they call Weldon Blue. Now, you just buy more stuff. All you have to do is buy the stuff you're already buying from Mack Weldon, and they just escalate you through the thing. Once you get to level one, you get free shipping for life. So you sort of get that, uh, hey, if you just need some underwear, you just buy it, and you know you're getting free shipping. Uh, and then once you reach level two, by set, you only have to spend 200 bucks to get there. Uh, you start getting 20% off every order for the next year. So you spend 200 bucks, not that much. You've already got level one, which is free shipping, and now you save uh, 20% on every order for the next year as long as you stay at level two. It's a great deal, and it's you, there's no fee or anything like that. You just buy good stuff. I wear their stuff all the time. Uh, really do like it. Uh, here's the deal. Go to MacWeldon, M-A-C-K-W-E-L-D-O-N.com slash talk show. MacWeldon.com slash talk show. Enter the promo code talk show. Same code. And that'll get you 20% off your first order. It's like you're already at level two. There you go. Mac Weldon, go and buy nice clothing. 
Dude, I thought I'd do good Mac Weldon ads, but that was great. You know what? I love it when it's a sponsor. And I, it just sounds corny and it's like, you know, but I I just love it when it's a sponsor whose stuff I really love. And it's like. I, my my line is I, I spend my own money on their product, which yeah. is true. Oh, I, I should mention too, a couple, like a year ago, uh, Merlin Mann was on the show and I was telling him about the Mac Weldon slippers and, uh, and then like they sold out and they, they were not a sponsor. We were just talking about them, but I love their slippers because they have a little back so that they stay on. I don't like a backless slipper and lo and behold, <laughs> a pandemic hits. I didn't put real shoes on. I wore out a pair of the slippers, but they were the, <laughs> I I've, I've probably spent like 10 years worth of time in slippers in the last six months uh, with the Mack Weldon slippers. They're fantastic. They're the best slippers I've ever, I've ever owned. Cosign. Um, so let's, let's talk streaming in the big world, right? And where, Mm -hmm. where Apple is. I kind of feel like here, here's an interesting thought I had as I was going off to sleep last night after absorbing all of this. So Apple comes out with this new fitness plus thing, which is not. Oh my God. That, that Twitter fight. Oh, what's or, this? I don't know. It was a Twitter. F- no, no, you were involved. Oh, in it, watching yeah, yeah, you yeah. and Horace. Oh, and the and Peloton. Ben. Yeah, yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. We can- uh, people, <laughs> that, you know what? Are you Peloton? Is I've said this. I've been saying with Ben. So we have a Peloton. I don't use it. My wife does. Uh, she won't even let me use it. She's very serious about it. Uh, I guess you know she would let me use it if I if I asked yes. to. But. Um, we are a Peloton family. Ben has one too. It is exactly like arguing with people about Macintosh computers 20, 25 years ago, where people right. people who've never used one, never seen a Macintosh, will just tell you blindly that they're overpriced garbage and you're buying hype and you could buy this other thing for less and it's better. And mm-hmm. people saying that you should just buy a regular bicycle and put it on a treadmill or something and then you get the same thing. And it's like, you don't get it. <laughs> this is like one of the nicest pieces of a kit I've ever seen in my life. My wife, they're, ab- very, they're very good. And I, I, I was a reluctant buyer because uh, I didn't want to own one. And then there was a pandemic. I'm like, all right, because right. I'm not going to the gym. But, and it's very good and all of that. And, and yes, there's definitely a cult around it. I'm, I'm not in the cult. It, it's a fine product. I'm happy to buy it, but I'm not going to go sing its praises. The thing that I find confusing from people who should know better is saying that the Apple exercise thing is competitive with Peloton, but that makes no sense. It makes no sense co- at all. It's competitive with a million other free and paid workout right. apps and videos, not with a device. Right. And the device is, it's the starting point. It's not like you sign up for Peloton classes and then, oh, maybe you get the bike. It's like you decide to get the bike and then you sign up for the classes. It's a great product. Right. You could, you could technically, I mean, and Peloton has sold some people its subscription service who don't right. use the bike, but that's a very small group of people. Yeah. It doesn't and make it, any sense. it's not central to their their success it's not their that's not their company's story and it's not why people are who are bullish on them are bullish anyway i i i think that the fitness thing is orthogonal to peloton i don't want to get sidetracked on that but the one thought i had going to sleep last night is okay what is the fitness plus thing in a sense if you if you they talked about it all in the context of fit actual fitness and and you know you wear your watch and you measure all this stuff Fitness, fitness, fitness. That's what you sign. Certainly, why you would sign up for it. But really, all it is is a streaming video platform, mm-hmm. right? It looks like they've signed up about thirty trainers. I, I didn't do like a head count in the class photo 
you know, but they, you know, have looks like somewhere around 30 or 40 trainers, um, to do these, you know, and they, some of them have specialties, you know, somebody's might be in bicycling or somebody, you know, strength training is obviously very different than cardio training. Um, and it, you know, it seems like, you know, and they, they talked about, you know, that it, you know, the diversity is obvious just when you look at it, but apparently personality wise and background wise, it's very diverse, but it's sort of like a reality show where there's like, they've, they've, they've got a cast of trainers and you can get to know them mm-hmm. and they have personalities. It's 10 bucks a month and Apple TV plus is five bucks a month. Which one costs more to produce? It's clearly TV plus, right? TV plus as they're spending billions yes. of dollars a year on original content right. <laughs> and it costs $5 the scope, I'm not saying that me and you, Peter, can go out and hire 30 trainers, but it, it, I feel like I could understand the scope of setting up a direct competitor to Fitness Plus, right? Get 30, 35 trainers of a diverse background and various skills and studio space and a couple of cameras. And every week we'll have a bunch of these classes. I, I understand the scope of that. I don't understand the scope of making like one top tier TV plus original content series, let alone all of them and the movies. Well, that Jennifer have. Aniston and, and uh, uh, Reese Witherspoon got what? 2 million bucks a piece per episode. Per episode. I may have inflated it. I may have right. inflated it two X, but that, that's a lot. Yeah. Um, the, the cost. Yeah. And, and now uh, you'd have to bring in someone who's an actual fitness expert here. I mean, again, like during the pandemic, our first thought was, Oh, we got to exercise. Let's, right. let's see what we can get for free on YouTube. Right. And we didn't try very hard, but obviously there's a ton of that free stuff and there are subscription services. Those have existed for a long time. Um, I can see Apple saying, all right, yeah, the people are paying five bucks a month for online yoga. We can charge a premium for that. Fine. Or by the way, the, the Peloton standalone service is however many dollars a month. We can charge less than that. Right. Fine. Right. Yeah, it's like thirty bucks. Um, I, 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 I mean, I don't know. I, I, I don't want to argue about fitness trends. I just, it is hard to imagine a lot of people sticking with that for the same reason that, that's, that everyone's joke about the Peloton, right? Is that it's gonna, it's gonna collect, it's gonna be a good towel rack, right, in a year because that is the traditional trajectory for any home exercise machine. You right. get the Nordic Track or whatever it right. is, and then it goes unused. And I would imagine it will have the same fitness will have the same life cycle. And, but I mean, as we were just talking about, right, there is a bundle of stuff. You can throw that right. in there. Is it, is it in the bundle? Did I miss that? No, it's, it is. If you get the premier level, okay, which is above yeah. family and it's, uh, so premier gets you the, the additions are news plus, uh, and fitness plus. And I asked Apple why I get why news plus is in a different tier because there's, Apple doesn't own the content. There's marginal cost to each subscriber because they're paying yes. the participating publications. And I get why News Plus is, is, for lack of a better term, region-locked because the publications are largely U.S.-centric and the other countries where it's available, it's you know a country-by-country country rollout. And if you live in you know, a Spanish speaking country, it doesn't do you any good to sign up for a news plus subscription for a bunch of English language publications. Um, why is fitness plus in there? Cause Apple owns all the IP. And the answer is it's not really, it's not, you know, they were like, don't read too much about the similarities to news, but at a basic level right now, their initial cast of trainers are all, they all speak English. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and so the countries where Fitness Plus is available are places where English is the primary language. And, you know, typical Apple, they have no nothing to announce about further plans for other yes. languages. But that's a that's a very easy solve. You can right. find Spanish-speaking uh, 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 trainers. Right. But why, you know, think about it. Like when you buy app, hardware devices from Apple or most companies, just about any company, if if one of them is half the price of another – even a casual observer can figure out why. Why is the iPhone SE half the price of the iPhone 11 Pro? Well, it's smaller and it's older and it doesn't have Face ID and it has the old design and, you know, the camera's not as fancy and there you go. It's not as good a device. But TV Plus is way more stuff that is way, way, way more expensive to produce and it's only $5 a month and Fitness Plus is way easier to produce, way more limited, and it's ten dollars a month. It has there, it's like an inverse correlation to spending for how much it costs Apple to produce the service. Uh, I don't know. Maybe you can do the math where you figure out uh, dollars spent per time used. But I mean, look. I mean, why why is music ten dollars a month, but Netflix is thirteen dollars a right. month? Um, you know, there isn't necessarily a, a, a math you can do in your head, or the New York Times fifteen bucks a month. The, the prices are. I mean, I can tell you why why Apple TV Plus is five bucks a month or really free, right? It's because right. no one would pay for it uh, right. At, right now. Uh, and they and Apple will concede that they're like we don't you know we're not we're not you give us a year minimum before we can sort of have a fully competitive product is what they have told me in the past, um, and that's fair right you just can't you, and, and presumably Apple's saying yeah this fitness thing is we're going to come out out of the gates and it'll be competitive with any other subscription right uh, training service right so yeah it, your your take more or less matches mine which is that Fitness Plus is a real product where. What I mean by that is they're saying $10 a month, we can turn a profit. It's a profitable business for us to sign up X million people to pay $10 a month or to get it in their upgraded Apple One bundle and the cost it costs us to do this. Whereas TV Plus isn't intended as at all as we plan to make a profit selling this for $5 a month and giving it away to as many people as we possibly can excuse ourselves to give it away for, for, for year long extensions at a time. It's the, the strategy reasons behind them getting into their own original content with TV plus are, have nothing to do with making money selling it for $5 a month. And I, I think that's more clear now. And the fitness plus thing clarifies that than it was even when they announced it. Yeah, and I guess I just would hammer on the idea that it's that presumably they're saying this is a finished product. This thing is is competitive. You can, if you were using right. a different subscription service, you can compare this to that. Or if you were taking classes at your local gym, which you can no longer go to, you can compare this to that. Whereas you cannot compare, or you shouldn't, if you're Apple, you don't want to compare TV Plus to HBO or HBO Max or Netflix or, or Disney Plus, right? There's just way more stuff on those other services. Yeah. But also, each of those companies has sort of very different levels of. Uh, investment in it, right? Like Netflix, what is Netflix? It's nothing but the streaming service, right? There, right. There no, is- those are, those are, you're right. Those are different questions than those from, from the consumer though, right? right? Like we, you're, you're going to spend $10 or $5 or no dollars. And so you, you don't care why Netflix is priced one way and Disney is priced another. You just know what you're getting for your money. Right. Right. It, it's a, I, I can't think of another 
a competitive landscape that is so disparate though like that, right? It's like just to pick three, right? So Netflix, everything, the entire company, and they're, you know, have a massive valuation. And I think rightly so. They're just a huge cultural touchstone worldwide. Um, and, you know, incredible sell-through in terms of how many people have a Netflix subscription, but there is nothing else to the company than the monthly streaming subscription. Disney sort of in the middle, right? Disney does lots of things and makes money lots of ways with theme parks and cruise lines and God bless them for trying to fill cruise ships mm-hmm. going forward. But, uh, you know, motion pictures. They are, right. E- they are trying to... They are trying to create their own Netflix in a significant way. Right. And the other would-be competitors are still trying to – they're not trying to do that yet. Right. They may say they are, but they're hedging their bets, and they're not making that same kind of commitment. Right, and Disney as a also is a, a longtime Disney nerd, and I always feel – I feel like the long-term trajectory for Apple in some ways, Disney has always been a, an interesting – pattern to follow, right? There's the charismatic founder who died too young, you know, and w- what does the company do after Steve Jobs is gone, after Walt Disney is gone? Um, but one of the things that, there's so many similarities between them, but one of the things was that Disney uh, embraced TV at a time when movie studios were anti-TV, Right. They were like the movie studios, you know, movies were movies and TV was this garbage black and white thing that was staticky. Mm-hmm. And Disney, Walt Disney was like, no, I we can be in their homes. Hell yeah. We're going to have Mickey Mouse on every day at, right after school. You know, what time does school end? Three o'clock, three thirty every day. Mickey Mouse Club. Um, we'll have kids running home to, to, to catch the show every day. Unlike every other movie studio. And, you know, culturally, Disney has always sort of had that idea of they need to stay relevant and not just keep doing what they did. And the way to be relevant in today's world is to have a streaming service, right? TV channels aren't it for kids anymore, right? It's as great as it was. Yes, yes. And it's also the model the consumer wants, right? Right. Uh, Broadly, right? I want on-demand um, and there are still a lot of people. There's, you know, 80 some million people who are getting linear cable TV, but that is going to continue to shrink. And they're saying, yeah, we're going to, we're going to, we're going to try to transition out of our existing business, um, while keeping it going and move into streaming. Um, yeah, it's, it's working. Well, I mean, it's working so far. I'm, you know, and I remember being a kid and I don't know how I did it. Cause it's one of those things that seems like, uh, uh, my parents are, you know, just to put it uh, as belovedly as I can, a bit tight with the money. <laughs> and mm-hmm. so I, I kind of can't believe that we got cable TV as early as we did. And I can't believe we got HBO. We had HBO like in the early 80s and and we eventually got rid of it. And I was very upset about it because it was like, they were like, nobody watches it except you. And I'm like... Yeah, um, you were watching Porky's, and right. uh, there was a ninja movie. I think were the, the big, right? The big, the big draws. Nobody watches it, but you, John, was not a great way of selling the <laughs> we're downgrading from HBO. Um, but I just remember the same thing, where it was like, well, you know, a majority of households don't have cable TV; they still get their TV over the air, and it's like, yeah, that's you know the was you know it's hard to believe but yeah that's how the 80s went where there were still lots of people who didn't have cable and were had 
you know, rabbit ears, you know, getting their TV reception. Yeah, and that turned out to be a giant expansion of the media business. And in the same way that like the CDs were a giant expansion of the music business. Um, what you are seeing now with with all these big streaming companies is they are inevitably going to have smaller profit margins because they do have to throw so much more into programming um, because it is so much more competitive because they're not going to have that really, really fat bundle that they can sort of force people to take. Um, and and so you are going to see a lot of sort of the fun of and fun and, and compensation taken out of working in the media business, which again, doesn't matter if you're the consumer and for the consumer, it's, it's great right now. You have more choice than ever. <laughs> uh, what do you think of where, Time Warner is and HBO in particular. I find HBO, I have it, you know, and we, we're an HBO, we've always been an HBO family and I have some shows I like there, but I, I think HBO Max is, is a mess brand wise. It is a mess brand wise. The, the, the pro, the actual sort of UI, and I'm not someone who spends a lot of time thinking about UI, except that I've been watching a lot of video the last six months or however long the pandemic has gone on for. And, and I'm, I'm a fan of Netflix, the, the product, but I didn't realize how much better they were at sort of getting you the thing you want than everybody else. I've been trying to watch a bunch of Amazon Prime recently. It's terrible <laughs> at saying, this is the show you were watching. Would you like to continue watching it? It's all of that stuff they're terrible at. I mean, you know, HBO Max, H, AT&T just brought on Jason Kyler, who ran Hulu in its glory days. He's a product guy. That product will look better yeah. eventually. It will no longer, when you're trying to uh, watch a download of Perry Mason in your mother-in-law's Philadelphia uh, house, to name an example that I can think of recently, and you have downloaded it, won't require six extra steps for you to find that thing on your phone. <laughs> it will get better. Um, and, and similarly, they have, they have a it's a grab bag of stuff, right? You know, yeah. Friends and the Criterion Collection. I think they'll sort that out over time. And the bigger question is, does AT&T, which, has, which is still a phone company and has an enormous amount of debt that it has to service and has to pay out dividends, it has all these financial obligations, do they want to spend competitively to keep up with Netflix and Disney? Right. Uh, and we don't know the answer to that yet. And even Apple, who I think, you know, I mean, just like the way that Apple scooped up the, uh, I forget the name of it already, the Tom Cruise, or not Tom Cruise, Tom Hanks uh uh, World Greyhound, War. yeah, yeah, Greyhound, which was totally a COVID opportunity. It was supposed to be a big theatrical movie, but it couldn't. And it, it's just one of those things where, well, why did Apple win the bidding? One of the reasons is that it's a pittance for Apple, right? And mm -hmm. you know, it, it, it you know, oh, a hundred million dollars, whatever, you know. Sounds Apple, good. Apple is the most recently described to me is this is pre-COVID. But the the new dumb money in Hollywood. Yeah, that Eddie Q is the most important guy, but he is, he's the person you bring your project to first because he may pay the most. Right, um, which isn't really a ringing endorsement. Um, and again, they'll they'll probably sort that over over time. I mean, Amazon is also dumb money. They're burning money on this Lord of the Rings prequel, uh, which doesn't exist yet. And and it's it's sort of astonishing that they've been at video for so long and really have not made a ton of progress. Um, but again, Amazon can afford to, to screw around and not get it right for a long time. So can Apple, um, Netflix is getting it right. They're still spending $3 billion a year more than they're bringing in 
to finance all this stuff. Right. Um, but Wall Street's okay with it. And then, but for these other companies that are in the middle, um, where it is their core business, but it's not, you're, it's unclear how much they're going to be able to throw at that. That's the real question mark. And it's weird to talk about the company that used to be called Time Warner being sort of in the middle of, of the tier of, of, of giant media companies, but that's kind of where they are right now. That's a good way to wrap up. Thank you, Peter Kafka. Uh, anything else you wanted to talk about? I'm delighted to be on, on the internet with you, John. Thank you for having me. <laughs> Let me thank our sponsors, Mac Weldon and Linode. And uh, everybody can catch Peter's own podcast, Recode Media, just on your favorite uh, podcast player. Uh, oh, oh, I'll, I'll plug I'll plug something I already did. We did, uh, my colleague and I, Ronnie Mola, did a seven-part series on Netflix called Land of the Giants, which you can also get where you hear your favorite podcast. So if you like hearing about Netflix and streaming, we've got uh, seven episodes of that for you. Excellent. Thank you, Peter. Thank you, John.